You know, we're always asked, Ed and I separately, are always asked, what is the most frightening thing you ever experienced in your work? I know what you're going to say. And that's where it happened. It's under the veil of moonlight that 19-year-old Patty Donovan finds herself alone, bored, and lonely when she comes across a Ouija board. With a mixture of trepidation and excitement, she begins to ask the board a series of questions that linger in the air. The first question being, is anyone there? Followed by, is there a spirit who could hear me? When suddenly, the board's planchette slid to yes, sending a shiver of fear and exhilaration down Patty's spine. This conversation would be the start of a long relationship that would ultimately unleash a sinister energy that would forever alter the lives of her and her family. And ultimately, it would take the help of a priest named Father Charbonneau and the infamous paranormal duo Ed and Lorraine Warren to confront and drive out the malevolent source. Today, Ed and Lorraine Warren have become a household name based on their paranormal investigations detailing their experiences with haunted houses, demonic possessions, and supernatural occurrences. While some of their cases have gained widespread recognition in the media, there are lesser-known cases that have not yet received the same kind of attention. Today, we will be looking into the 1974 Donovan family poltergeist case that occurred in West Hartford, Connecticut. At first glance, an item like a Ouija board seems harmless enough. However, to others, it's a tool that should be approached with caution due to the dangers that it could lead to. These concerns are rooted in cultural, religious, and superstitious beliefs. And the three primary concerns of using a Ouija board is unintended invocation, deception, and the opening of some sort of evil veil. Since using a Ouija board as a conduit may inadvertently attract negative or malevolent entities who can deceive the user, leading them to believe that whoever or whatever is answering on the other end is harmless. Well, it's the old story, Tony, you know, the Ouija board. Now, people, again, often say, come on, it's, it's a board with some letters and numbers on it. So what? The kids are playing with it. It's an invitation for spirits to come into your life. Mm -hmm. And that's what people do. This young girl invited in through the, the Ouija board. Suddenly, some of these answers were very factual. And when somebody does you a favor, they expect something in return. Well, what she got in return wasn't so good. Her home was almost completely destroyed. Fortunately, Patty Donovan did not understand the risk and the long-term cause and effects of using such an item. Allegedly, Patty continued to communicate with the board for months, gradually building a relationship and a bond with the unseen presence. Over time, she became enamored with the spirit as it shared that it was the presence of a teenage boy. In February of that year, Patty began to ask the spirit questions about her future, and allegedly the spirit told her the date that her first child would be born, and that she would also have three children by 1978, all of which turned out to be true. A month later, she asked the spirit to show itself although she would see nothing. Over time, Patty continued to use the Ouija board, and it didn't take long until strange occurrences began to occur throughout the home. The first of which occurred on March 3rd, when Patty's father, Ted, went out to his car to leave for work when the car wouldn't start. As he looked under the hood of the car, he saw that the engine had been vandalized. And when Ted went to start Patty's car, he also found hers vandalized as well. Which of course was strange, but one would only assume that this was the work of some awful teenagers. As the days continued to pass, however, a series of strange occurrences continued to happen. Pounding knocks started to be heard within the walls of the home, eventually growing so loudly that cracks began to form across the walls. All of which was extremely strange, but things started to amplify when the family witnessed furniture that would move on its own before breaking 
Pictures would suddenly launch themselves off the walls before shattering on the ground. And a cabinet showcasing antiques and precious china would also succumb to an unseen force. With a jolt, everything within it crashed down violently onto the floor, creating a symphony of destruction that echoed throughout the home. The atmosphere crackled with an eerie intensity, leaving no doubt that whatever was causing this was some unworldly force that had taken hold. Although the activity inside of the home would further amplify and reach a peak on Good Friday, April 12th. According to the Donovans, Good Friday was a day of abject fear. A forbidding atmosphere enveloped the house. Indeed, it seemed as if the whole place might suddenly explode as a berserk rampage continued. Stones mysteriously pummeled the house outside, while unrestricted bedlam went on within. All of which was compounded by an evil presence that was so incredibly real and physical that no one dared to be alone inside the house, not even for a moment. It just so happened that at 6 o'clock that night, the Warrens were flying into New York at LaGuardia Airport after completing a 10-day speaking tour. It was around noon the following day that Lorraine Warren receives a call from a man named Ted Donovan. She would recall the frantic panic and fear that rattled throughout his voice. She asked Ted to explain what was happening as specifically as possible. And as Ted continued to speak, she admitted that she was at first skeptical about his claims. But as he continued to share the specifics on what was occurring inside the walls of his home, she feared that something more sinister was responsible. For 45 minutes, Ted continued to list off the countless strange occurrences that plagued the family. To quote the Warrens' records directly, Ted told Lorraine about the vandalism that first occurred to the family's cars. He recounted the unnerving bangs that seemed to resonate from within the walls, each echoing like a sinister heartbeat, and that small household items began to defy gravity, witnessing items like ketchup packets, salad dressings, bleach, and even perfume bottles floating eerily down the home's hallway before plummeting onto the floors and furniture. He then shared how a cascade of water emerged from a cement wall in the basement, a wall that had no plumbing behind it providing no rational explanation. To make matters even stranger, Ted shared that an ominous echo of loud bangs had also been occurring on his roof, and when he and his family went outside to inspect it, they claimed to witness small stones that appeared to rain down on the home. Ted would share that some stones would fall softly onto the roof, while others would strike with such force that they would break windows. After listing off these occurrences, he shared that he and his family were desperate for help, and were willing to pay absolutely anything for it. Lorraine agreed to meet, and on the following day, that Sunday, Lorraine and Ed first met Ted Donovan at a local shopping center before following him to his home. From the outside, Lorraine recalls the grand beauty of the home, but as she stepped inside, she was greeted by a scene of utter chaos. The ornate and beautiful furniture was marred by various stains of condiments and liquids, creating an unsettling contrast to the elegance she initially perceived. As she moves throughout the home, a chilling realization takes a hold. An overpowering sense of evil and intelligence would permeate the air, all by an unseen force that seems to have left its mark on every corner of the once beautiful home. When the couple would recall the case, they would be asked to explain or describe the sense of evil, and the duo would ultimately explain it as a feeling of no compassion. I have to tell you, at times you'd become so frustrated when you were in this house that for me, I broke down and cried a few times. It was, really? it was that emotional. I told her if she can't take it, get out of this It's work. It's a very emotional thing to see a family this you know, horribly you know distraught. What? The people out there right now are thinking, what this woman was seeing, we'd love to see. 
No, they wouldn't. Yeah, they would love to see it because no, well, it's no, proof of what we're they talking think about. They, these people, you think you would love to see it. You would not love to see it at all. You would not. Ed Warren himself would say, Those spirits in that house, which they call a poltergeist, is complete evil. They destroy anything. It doesn't matter what it is. And the more you suffer, the better they like it. While Ed walked throughout the home, he found all of the beds turned upside down. Draws from the cabinets and furniture had been pulled out, and the contents of it laid scattered across the rooms. To quote him directly, anything movable seemed to be ripped, torn, or upside down. In the kitchen, the contents of the pantry and refrigerator had been dumped into a large pile on the floor, with dinner plates and silverware heaped on top of that. As Ed continued to walk throughout the home, he heard the sound of a rumble and shake to the point that he was concerned that the house was going to collapse on itself. It seemed as if there was an earthquake occurring, and while Ed was attempting to get to the front door, he suddenly felt himself frozen and unable to move. Meanwhile, while this was occurring, Lorraine was outside speaking with a priest named Father Jason, when suddenly she became overwhelmed with the feeling that Ed was in jeopardy. As she ran through the front door of the home, she could see Ed walking in a trance-like state, with blood smeared across his shirt. Once outside of the home, they would discover two long and deep slashes on Ed's left arm that formed the sign of the cross. Ed shared that this occurred as items inside of the home began to be thrown violently across the room. And as he put his arms up in front of his face for protection, this is when he felt it. Ed felt that the forces inside of the home intended to mutilate him, and believed that the attack was directed specifically at him, as he was the one who was originally challenging the force with religious provocation. Ed would later recall that the wound felt like a burn, and it lasted for three days before disappearing, and that he would only clean it with holy water. Although I will note that Ed himself only claimed to show the wound to the priest who was there on site, and no one else. After the Warrens first attended the home, they advised the family of four to sleep in the same room together along with the family dog. They also advised that they hang a cross on the bedroom door and leave a container of holy water inside. This unfortunately had little effect, since when the family would begin to drift off to sleep, that same series of loud bangs would continue to echo throughout the home, some of which even seemed to resonate at the base of the bed that the mother, father, and 19-year-old daughter were sleeping on, while the 15-year-old son Brian slept next to them on the floor. The Warrens continued to visit the home to document the necessary evidence to submit to the church for authorization to perform an exorcism. The Warrens felt they were under pressure to move quickly, as they could see the draining effects that the haunting was taking on the entire family. And Lorraine herself was concerned for the family's safety, given the quickly growing increase in violence. During their interview with the Donovan family, they interviewed each member asking a series of questions. And it was during these conversations that the question came up, has anyone used a Ouija board? This is when Patty confessed the ongoing relationship that she had had with the unseen spirit. Lorraine asked if the entity ever shared its name with Patty, but of course it did not. During this investigation, the Warrens claimed that they also invited the media to the home on three separate occasions to witness the evil phenomenon. It was during one of these nights that Ed recounts the cameraman was standing in the family's hallway while Ed was inside a bedroom with the Donovan family. And while Ed began to provoke the spirit with religious provocation, it was during this moment that the Bureau started to slide across the room towards the family. And as this happened, the drawers continued to open and close rapidly before the Bureau itself slammed against the bed. Following this event, a hairbrush then flew past Ed and the family before flying towards the cameraman who was filming in the hallway. And according to Ed, the cameraman was so terrified that he ran out of that home within that instant and refused to ever go back inside. 
According to the Warrens, the media actually went live with the story and recorded footage and played it on Channel 3 News, although the location of this home was not disclosed based off privacy for the family. In fact, it's important to note that this Donovan family, unlike their other cases, did not want to be public. They actually asked to stay completely anonymous. In fact, the Donovan name appears to be an alias, but I'll share more about that later. Aside from the alleged evidence that was captured by the media, Lorraine would also share that they captured photo slides of items levitating in the home. These items included a photo of a floating lamp, Coke bottle, and bar stool. It's documentation like this that helped get the authorization to perform the exorcism from the church. And once they had this approval, the Warrens returned to the home with the priest named Father Chaberon. He would start by blessing each member of the family itself, leading up to the exorcism on the home. The Warrens stated that the exorcism was conducted in the living room and was also allegedly filmed. And unlike the stereotypical horror movies, the exorcism did not occur in the dead of night, but instead was performed in the early morning. And it was during this exorcism that allegedly some sort of horrific beast began to manifest in front of them. And before disappearing, this entity left behind a mark on the living room carpet. This mark appeared to be the shape of a devil's head that was drawn in some sort of dark ash medium. It was during the exorcism that Father Charbonneau was able to successfully expel the presence. The priest himself admitted that he could feel the energy in the home shift as the entity left. And according to the records, after the exorcism was performed, the family claimed that all strange occurrences stopped. As previously mentioned, researching this case was extremely difficult as the information that was provided online was very sparse. And I only choose to include the information that was shared from the recordings of Ed and Lorraine Warren directly since you could truly go down a rabbit hole when you start to read the dog roll that's written in Reddit articles and blog posts. I just learned that word yesterday, so I felt the urge to include it. So this way I sound like a uppity Moira Rose with my snazzy advanced vocabulary. But basically, dog roll, if you don't know, means poorly written or foolish. And honestly, when you read the blog posts and Reddit articles, it's apparent that people started to just have their own creative liberties since those articles contain many inaccuracies compared to what the Warrens stated. Granted, I know the Warrens come with their own set of skepticism, but as I research these cases, I do like to keep it as factual based off what the Warrens claim. While I personally believe in the paranormal based off my own experiences, I still do like to approach these cases with a lens of skepticism. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day, and I will talk to you soon.